This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Sean Darcy is the CEO of Round World Consulting. It's one of the state's uh, top Democratic political consulting firms. He's, he's worked for three governors and now... 30% of the Democratic House members from New Jersey are his clients. Sean, welcome. Hi there, David. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on. And, and you know, I, I talked about you working for three governors. You worked for Jim McGreevy and then and then Dick Cody and then John Corzine. Do uh, you have a favorite among the three? And, and by the way, before you answer that, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a fair warning. Governors McGreevy and Cody listen to this show. I have no evidence that Governor Corzine does. I will tell you that uh, I've actually enjoyed all three of them. And then afterwards, I was, I'm fortunate enough to work with former Governor Patterson over in New York as well. Um, they're, you know, four very smart people. I've learned a lot of different things from them, from their various staffs. I mean, I've worked for some tremendous chiefs of staff too, right? Um, it's just, it's been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate to work for great people like that. So, gun to my head, I really can't tell you which one of those people I enjoy more. I think I learned something different and unique from all three of them. All four of them, actually, when you put Patterson in there. But in Sean, you were you were you were young, and you you know you you like me. You're an Essex County guy, so you you know politics po- politics gets fed to you in, in small doses from a very young age. What what got you what got you involved? How did you wind up working for Governor McGreevy? If I'm I mean candidly, uh, I think my background was a bit a bit different, a bit more unique from yours, or actually yours is more unique than than the sort of traditional. I um, well, that's because I'm a geek I'm, and you're a normal guy. <laughs> These folks were all names on lawn signs to me growing up, to be honest with you. Um, I had a friend in college, uh, a guy named Jamie Falstraut, who um, worked for Governor McGreevy in Woodbridge at the time. And after Governor McGreevy won, um, Jamie asked me to take a leave from the job I was doing uh, at a financial firm and come and volunteer for two weeks and help write press releases and just generally volunteer during transition. And, um, and then they hired me. So, again, just very fortunate. Very fortunate. And... And you, 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 you saw a lot of history during that time. I mean, you were there. You were in, in a governor's office for, you know, you know, more or less eight years. I mean, is there, is there any one thing that, that stands out to you as, as, as something that has just sort of been a life lesson for you? Uh, um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the year that I didn't work there where I got to work for Susan Massavin, which is also a tremendous learning experience. Um, you know, I, look, I mean, I learned the value of crafting a message and staying on that message. Um, I, you know, I learned the value of maintaining relationships and making sure that you sort of understand the folks who are not only covering you, but also have an interest in Trenton and have an interest in uh, forming a relationship. Um, you know, I got to watch I got to watch Dick Cody be Senate president and governor at the same time. That's that's pretty unique. You know what I mean? And for an extended period of time. So. It'd be hard to narrow it all down to one thing, but I think one of the things that served me well moving forward was the, the value of establishing a message, making sure you sort of stick to that message, but also being able to adapt to outside things and work through. And you work now, you, you, you're as a political consultant. I mean, three of your clients are, are Frank Pallone and Bill Pascrell and Bonnie Watson Coleman. I mean, they are, they are each uh, you know, enormously influential. Pallone's got House Energy and Commerce uh, committee chairmanship. He is, you know, he's 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 one of the most powerful guys on Capitol Hill. Pascrell's got a subcommittee on Ways and Means. Uh, Watson Coleman is on a probes. I mean, tell me what it's like working for these three. Uh, they're they're all unique and amazing in their own way. Uh, to be honest with you, I I, uh, 
I've been very fortunate to work with the three of those individuals, right? Um, you know, to your point, all three of them do great work in bringing back federal dollars to their district. Um, they're all down there representing New Jersey. Uh, they're all trying to make sure that they're, um, that they're getting our fair share, right? But then when you talk about a Bonnie Watson Coleman, right, you're talking about a woman who, who made history as the first African-American woman to ever represent New Jersey in Congress. And for a lot of people, that's an entire career, right? That is a history. <laughs> but instead, she goes down to D.C. Um, she doesn't sort of like sit back and, you know, do whatever most other freshman um, members do and sort of take a backseat, right? She consistently fights for her values, um, to your point, she worked hard to get on the Appropriations Committee, so she makes sure we have a seat at the table for federal support. Um, and now she's, you know, pushing through a $500 million project that was, that was, that was stopped, right, to try and shore up our infrastructure with, with green investment um, over the Greenbrook Flood Mitigation Project. So I, I don't know. Like, she's, a, she's an interesting woman to watch, right, because, again, she made history and could have just sort of took a step back. And I think the thing I take back from her is that she – She's always believed, and I think you know this even from the time she was in the legislature, that, um, that, that budgets are moral documents, and she's always going to stand for the things she believes in, right? And then, like, when I, I look at a, a, a Congressman Pallone, right, it's like he's always been in a, in a very contentious district. I think you know this. And the reason he wins is because he, he doesn't back down. He, you know, he produces for his district, but it's not that long ago that, that Frank Pallone – and his staff are making sure that Tea Party protesters are properly hydrated as they're out in front of his office protesting, right? right. Um, he does that because he knows that even if there's a disagreement, even if there's some folks who are on the opposite side of things, he represents the entirety of the district. It's not just one group that is like saying, yes, Frank Malone, you're correct, right? So, you know, you had mentioned he's chair of the Energy and Commerce Committee. And I think we would both agree that um, seniority matters in Congress, right? So he's brought back billions of dollars. Um, you know, he's, he's leading the fight against, um, it's like clean up toxic waste sites. He's expanding broadband. He's helped make healthcare more affordable, accessible. He's just done a hundred things that you could go through and it would take the rest of our time here, right? But I, I will say that we obviously have a lot of challenges that are going to be coming up, um, including inflation, gas prices, a number of things, right? And I, I would maintain strongly that someone like Frank Pallone is the person we need down there because he actually gets things done and he knows how to do it. So he's got – he's got just, – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say in the interest of time because I don't mean to take up all the time talking to these three people. I just – I really like them so much. <laughs> um, someone like, like Pascal, right? He's another very effective legislator. He brings the federal dollars through. But again, in the interest of time – the thing I love about Bill Pascal is that he doesn't, he doesn't pull his way into fights, Right. He does the things that he actually believes are the right thing to do. So, like, he's in D.C. He's consistently calling for accountability with, with President Trump. That never wavers, right? But then he's also been consistently a champion in Congress for the, for the Ukrainian and I'm sorry, for the Ukrainian community. And I'll tell you this, right? This is true. In 2012, during that primary, I remember we'd walk into almost any room where we were having, like, a big event. And you would see that Ukrainian flag flying almost everywhere because they have such a huge Ukrainian community around Clifton and Pasig, right? So, like, what I love about Bill Pascrell is that he takes on a fight. He sticks with that fight. He's been a champion for Ukraine for years, and it's, like, not just over the past few weeks when now everyone can see sort of what's going on, right? Well, I'll tell you something, you know, one observation about Congressman Pascrell, and I've, I've been watching him since he was a, a, a freshman assemblyman from, from Patterson. Uh, but 
the guy has, and I say this, I'm, obje- I'm being objective, but I, but, but I say this in a good way. The guy's got no filter at all. He says exactly what's on his mind. He doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't say, well, you know, talk to his staff and say, well, if I say this, what, 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 what's the, what are the pros? What are the cons? Am I going to get yeah. criticized by this group or that group? There's, there's just no filter there. Wouldn't I mean? I'm, I almost think it would be good if the Congress had more people like that that just that just spoke from the heart and and not worried about screening what they're going to say. One hundred percent. In his heart, he's a Pattersonian, right? And he's not going to, you know, he's not going to he's not going to poll to see if a fight is good or bad. He's going to tell you this is what I believe and this is what we're going to do to try and fix it. Um, now, of course, in our general, it's possible that our, our you know, potential opponent is uh, is a guy who's standing there with a QAnon flag. So that could be a very interesting one. <laughs> and I want to ask you about Pallone's reelection. You've got a, a you know, in a he's had that seat since 1988, you know, from time to time. Uh, he's had some some really tough races that he's won. Uh, Republicans think they can beat him. They've got they have uh, uh, Sue Kiley, Monmouth County Commissioner, running Rick Maida, 2020 U.S. Mm-hmm. Senate candidate, uh, running. He did well in that congressional district against against Cory Booker. Uh, is is this an election you're concerned about? Uh, look, it's one of the things I like about all three of these individuals, right? They take every election seriously, and I, I just I'll just jump back to it. I think that all three of these people are very comfortable running on their records. And I think Congressman Pallone has established a record of uh, not just bringing money back, but making sure that he's fighting for middle class families and he's doing the things that we need to do um, to, to, to push back against tough financial times. So, you know, is he worried? No, nah, I'm not going to say he's worried, but I think that I think he's confident in his record. And when we explain to people all the tremendous things he's done, I, I think that, that that hopefully pushes past any sort of like partisanship when you recognize all the things he does for the district. So this is a this is a district. This is this is parts of Monmouth County, Republican parts of Monmouth County, and and Middlesex, which is which is Democratic, except when it's not. Uh, a lot of suburban blue collar voters there. Uh, uh, Chitterelli did did well in this district. Uh, uh, you know, Biden's numbers not doing well. We we saw a poll this week from from Rutgers Eagleton. Uh, that shows the governor's favorables upside down for for the first time since he took office. Thirty three percent favorable, thirty eight percent unfavorable. Uh, how much of, of of Congressman Pallone's reelection is is within his control, and how much of that is just you know if there's if there's some national tide going on? Uh, look, I mean, we're going It's going to be. Speaking directly to voters, talking about directly what Frank Pallone has done to these individuals, right? I think that when you talk about the Governor Murphy approvals, you know, people are unhappy. They're frustrated about things like inflation, gas prices, virus protocols, um, a number of things, right, that impact everyday quality of life. Um, but, but I do got to say, right, it's not as if there's a lot that Governor Murphy can actually do about that, right? So now you have a situation where it's um, – you know, you get rid of the mass protocols, and that's going to that's gonna be a hugely contentious issue off the table, and hopefully that restores some semblance of normalcy. But, but I, I do need to say, right, David, because I know that, like, that poll is what it is. But in my mind, I'm like, you have to give credit where it's due here, right? Uh, you get Governor Murphy, um, other electeds on both sides of the aisle, and even, even, even union leaders like, like Pat Colgan, Mark Kovar, folks like that, right? All these folks were, were – they're faced with a once-in-a-lifetime public health crisis, and there's no blueprint. <laughs> so you're working on navigating conditions with the thoughts of trying to keep 
um, all residents in New Jersey safe from, and, and, and protected. And I think given that context, that was achieved effectively and I would argue admirably. This is going to be a uh, this 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 has the potential. It's it's early, right? I mean, we're in we're in March. A lot's got to happen before before for people actually vote. But but uh, you know, this is a this is a potentially competitive election year. Be- before we go, because we only have a, a second left, and I'm, and I'm talking, speaking with Sean Darcy. But uh, Governor 2025, your party, Governor Murphy's term limited. You guys are going to need a candidate uh, one way or the other. Uh, any any quick thoughts on on who you'd like to see run? Uh, it's, like, it's like the great parlor game for you and I and everyone who listens to your show, right? I mean, I've heard the same names as everyone else, right? Mikey Sherrill, Josh Gottheimer, Greg Coughlin, um, Steve Phillips, Steve Sweeney, Sean Oliver, Jingle Powell, um, Mayor, Mayor Baraka over in Newark. These are all – I think we'd be lucky to have any one of these people as a candidate. I think that uh, they all have done an effective job in representing our party. And um, – you know, I don't want to be in a position three and a half years out running running a firm. Why I tell you that I want it to be this person? Because I'm just going to limit business myself. I can't do that. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I have been speaking. Sean Darcy, CEO of Round World Consulting, Democratic strategist from New Jersey. Thanks for joining me. And uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And I will be right back with Senator Kevin O'Toole, the chairman of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. And after that, a big announcement from the New Jersey Globe that you're not going to want to miss. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC.